an apology from the RCMP. I'm very sorry to Ms. Wang for what occurred. Kelowna's top cop on a wellness check gone wrong. Reaction from the woman at the centre of it. Calling out the Klan. Why are you black and play for the Klan? SFU athletes team up to take on their controversial name. And Vancouver joins the race for a vaccine. These are Canadian scientists, a Canadian technology, a Canadian company. Promising results from a BC biotech firm. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. One of BC's top ranking Mounties is calling for more mental health resources following a high profile RCMP wellness check that's now the subject of a lawsuit. Rumina Dea has more on today's commitment from the RCMP and reaction from the alleged victim. The Kelowna RCMP officer who dragged 20-year-old Mona Wang down a hallway, semi-conscious in handcuffs, and then stepped on her head during a wellness check, has not apologized, says Wang. Do you think she should be fired? I definitely think so. Um, Or some kind of, you know, suspended without pay. Unbeknownst to Wang, the head of the RCMP's Southeast District issued an apology at a press conference Thursday. I'm very sorry to Ms. Wang for what occurred. Um, If that was my family member or friend, I would have deep concerns and want answers as well. The commander committing to adding more mental health teams in the region, acknowledging police may not be the best option when it comes to mental health calls. I would say that mental health calls should and could be assessed by a mental health worker, trained mental health worker, and we would be a support mechanism. While Wang appreciates the chief superintendent's apology, she wants to see action. You don't need to be a healthcare worker to have that level of compassion to not kick someone when they're already down. Wang, a nursing student at UBC Okanagan, is disappointed. Constable Lacey Browning is still on the job, not on patrol, on desk duty, but still getting paid. More than 350,000 signatures have been collected on a petition calling for Browning to be fired. Wang wants to see a nurse attending all mental health calls and more crisis training for police. People who are in such a high position of power, there definitely should be a more lengthy you know, preparation. Wang is suing the RCMP plus the federal and provincial governments in a civil suit. The defendants claim the force used by the officer was reasonable and necessary. A police code of conduct investigation is underway. The findings will be shared with Crown, which will ultimately decide if criminal charges are warranted. Ramina Dea, Global News. Provincial health officials meeting today for an update on the COVID-19 situation in BC. With no update yesterday, our two-day total is 24 new cases for a total now of 2,940. Sadly, we've had three more deaths, which means we have now lost 177 people in BC to the COVID-19 virus. 17 people are in hospital, two of them in ICU. 2,603 people are considered recovered, and that leaves us with 160 active cases. 
Now, while the border is supposed to be closed to all but essential travel until at least July 21st, given the COVID-19 situation across the U.S., the Premier today addressed concerns about some Americans using the so-called Alaska loophole to visit B.C. despite strict border rules. We have worked very, very hard to get here. Frontline workers, healthcare workers have put themselves at risk to protect all of us. And we do not want to throw that away for uh, queue jumpers, for people who want to uh, say they're going somewhere and, and do something else. Uh, if you want to get to Alaska, we don't, want to, we don't want to impede you, but you should go directly, do not pass go, go directly to Alaska. And, and uh, we're going to be pretty clear on that uh, right up to the, uh, the next deadline, which is, as you say, uh, the last week or second to last week in July. Uh, I can't see our position changing based on the evidence south of us at this point in time. All right, Keith Baldry joins us with more on the COVID-19 front here at home. And Keith, Dr. Bonnie Henry also addressed some of the rather unpleasant and lingering side effects mm -hmm. of this virus. And this is when a patient is considered recovered. Yes, you just mentioned we had 2,603 recoveries uh, so far in B.C. But I asked her, I had the first question today, what about the, the anecdotal information and research we're getting from around the world of people remaining quite ill or just having life-altering situations after they're pronounced uh, uh, healed from COVID-19? They still have a lot of illness, and some of it is permanent. She walks us through uh, what they're picking up around the world for people who th think they're over COVID-19, but their bodies are un uh, changed in fundamentally different ways. We've come to learn that this virus affects um, many different systems in the body. There are um, things like clotting effects that people can have for a period of time. We know that there is some cognitive effects, that there have been people who've had small strokes related to infection with the virus. And you can have ongoing scarring and challenges with difficulty breathing. And, and really what we hear the most is profound fatigue that takes a long time to get over. Just want to go back to travel for a moment, Sophie. I just got the numbers from uh, Washington State. They had a record uh, day for picking up COVID-19 cases in Washington State today. 716 cases, the most ever recorded in a day. Three more deaths. They've had more in one day than BC's had in more than a month. So it just shows you why that border is such a sensitive issue right now, particularly on this side of the border. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. The global race to find a vaccine for COVID-19 is heating up. Among those leading the charge, a Vancouver company who has paired up with some major players. Acuitas has developed a delivery system that could play a key and critical role in the development of a vaccine. And if successful, they believe it could be ready in just over six months. Paul Johnson has more. In a lab on a quiet street at UBC, Work is underway on a technology that could be transformative in the challenge of our times, producing a vaccine for COVID-19. At the moment, lipid nanoparticles are by far the best delivery technology that's available. Tom Madden is the president of Acuitas Therapeutics, who've been perfecting the use of lipid nanoparticles. Among the early vaccine candidates showing promise are those that use messenger RNA to create an immune response. On its own, mRNA can't get into human cells to do its work. But if it's sheathed in the kind of lipid nanoparticles that Acuitas creates, it can. It's technology that's been developed over, over many years. Originally, it was developed for delivery of conventional drugs. So this is possibly really exciting. So far, their trials show that this delivery mechanism they've developed here in Vancouver works. And the vaccine it enables triggers an immune response to COVID-19. 
The biggest question at this point is, how long will the immunity last? But even a shorter period of immunity could be tremendously valuable. Acuitas is supporting two major drug makers that are moving mRNA vaccines through development. And more could come as literally hundreds of vaccine projects are underway worldwide. They'll need more testing and regulatory approval. But with that and luck, the first vaccines could be available early next year. And if those that succeed end up using the technology created here, that would be a monumental achievement for local scientists. What's really nice is this is very much a, a Canadian and particularly a Vancouver success story in that Vancouver is the, the center of excellence for lipid nanoparticle technology. At UBC, Paul Johnson, Global News. The B.C. government says the planned new tower for Richmond Hospital will be much larger than first envisioned. Premier John Horgan announced today the tower will have more than 200 extra beds than were originally planned for a total of 350 beds. It will also have a new ER, imaging center, ICU and mental health services. Horgan says the COVID-19 crisis is part of the reason. The scope of the project has expanded over the past two years because of the dialogue and engagement we had with uh, healthcare practitioners as well as through the foundation talking to the community about what was needed in the expansion of the tower. So with respect to finalizing the uh, cost, uh, the, I, I can say uh, that it will be several hundreds of millions of dollars more than it had originally been budgeted, but that uh, will be finalized by September when we approve uh, the business plan. Despite a major legal setback, several B.C. First Nations are vowing to keep up their fight against the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. The Supreme Court of Canada ruled today it will not hear an appeal against the federal government's second approval of the project. Catherine Urquhart reports. A years-long legal challenge to stop expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline project is now over. Canada's top court has dismissed an appeal from Squamish Nation, Tsleil-Waututh Nation and the Coldwater Indian Band. From the province's perspective, I still maintain that uh, Vancouver is not the ideal location for a diluted bitumen export terminal. I feel very strongly about that. In 2018, amid ongoing legal challenges, the federal government bought the existing pipeline from Kinder Morgan for $4.4 billion, saying it would complete the project. Expansion is expected to nearly triple the amount of diluted bitumen flowing between Alberta's oil sands and B.C. We are delighted to have won another critical legal victory on the construction of the Trans Mountain Expansion Pipeline. Uh, a project that is so important to the long-term prosperity of Alberta and of Canada. Trans Mountain's president reacted to the ruling saying, we are pleased with the court's decision to dismiss these applications and uphold the Federal Court of Appeals decision. Following the federal government's second approval of the Trans Mountain expansion project and many years of consultation and regulatory reviews, we are pleased to continue building this nationally important project. I'm glad that we're going to be moving forward on this project because we have to tell the world we're open for business. You can get pipelines built. Of the 129 Indigenous groups potentially affected by the project, 120 either support it or don't oppose it. Trans Mountain has signed 43 mutual benefit agreements with Aboriginal groups in B.C. and Alberta. 
But First Nations opposed to the expansion are vowing to fight on. One way or the other, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen within our law of health, family, healing and culture, our Coast Salish law. Trans Mountain says it expects to complete expansion of the 1,100-kilometer pipeline by the end of 2022. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The controversy over SFU's team name has been growing, and now the school's athletes are speaking out. It's hard to uh, call myself, you know, a Klansman when I've had family that have been terrorized by white supremacist groups, you know. The students stuck in a very uncomfortable position and how they're demanding change in just over a minute. A bomb disposal robot dispatched to the grounds of Rideau Hall, home to the Governor General and the Prime Minister. What we're learning about the man arrested this morning, coming up on the News Hour. Plus, a fireworks show backfires. How a Brooklyn man managed to burn down his own house later. Right now, though, a number of high-profile student-athletes are calling on SFU to rename the sports teams. Currently, those teams go by the Clan. But while the university maintains that name is a nod to Simon Fraser's Scottish heritage, there's a growing chorus on campus saying, I am not your Klansman. Jordan Armstrong reports. From runners to wrestlers to basketball players. A growing number of SFU athletes are taking to social media to speak out against the school's nickname for varsity sports teams. With this social climate today, um, especially with this Black Lives Matter movement, um, I believe that there's a lot of people behind this name change. Now, the clan spelled with a C honors Scottish traditions, but for many it conjures up images of the white supremacist group, the Ku Klux Klan. Three weeks ago, SFU basketball player Othniel Spence launched a petition. He now has more than 7,000 signatures. It's hard um, to go on road trips and continually be asked um, about the name, about the Klan. Um, Why is your school named the Klan? SFU athletes often travel to the U.S. for games. In fact, it's the only Canadian university affiliated with the NCAA. For some players and parents, just saying the name, regardless of how it's spelt, is painful. Especially to my family. They can't say Go Clan. They can't say Go Clan. They can't. They say Go Mason. SFU expects to make a decision on the Clan name before students head back to class this fall. Last year, a survey found 77% of athletes were in favor of a name change. Nowhere did it tell us that our job was to defend a nickname is heritage, not hate. Three years ago, a different petition to retire the name failed. But Spence believes his will net a different result. I'm almost certain that the name will be changed. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Up next, they have the bears eating out of their hands. (laughs) (laughs) And now a West Vancouver man is facing charges. Plus, they're in a bubble of their own, existing only here and nowhere else in the world. Only in BC, the special species you can't find anywhere else on Earth. Tow truck is on scene to a stalled semi here in New West. It's northbound at the south end of the Queensboro Bridge, now off to the right shoulder. Kermet Collision and Autoglass have been family run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Queensboro Bridge.
two years after video of a West Vancouver family feeding bears generated widespread outrage, charges have been laid. <laughs> the video surfaced online in July of 2018, showing two young girls feeding two bear cubs and a sow, giving them crackers through open doors and windows. Their father was also seen feeding the bears. Conservation officers condemned the video, saying it could make the bears a danger to people and force officers to put them down. Well, now West Vancouver resident Vitaly Shevchenko faces two charges, including feeding dangerous wildlife and attracting dangerous wildlife. Conservation had previously said penalties could be up to $25,000 in fines or six months in jail. A new report, the first of its kind in Canada, gives B.C. some new bragging rights. The report says our province is home to more than a third of all of Canada's unique species. Linda Aylesworth explains why and how the report hopes to save many of them. If you live in British Columbia, you already know this province is special in many ways. One of them pointed out in a report by the Nature Conservancy of Canada. Nobody has ever recorded or cataloged a list of purely Canadian species that are only ours and nowhere else in the world. What makes BC stand out is that we are home to over a third of the country's 308 endemic species. The reason is due in part to some geographical good luck a few tens of thousands of years ago. So during the last glacial period, it's thought that Vancouver Island and Haida Gwaii remained ice-free. And so that allowed species to live there while other areas were covered in ice. So that means they have small populations and they're restricted to very small areas. So that's why these spots have to be protected. 90% of Canada's endemic animal and plant species are vulnerable to extinction. They're not that well understood and the ones that we do know of and have studied are not doing that well because they are very restricted in their populations. And so the goal of the report, which is available on the Nature Conservancy of Canada's website, is to better enable their protection. That's why it's important to identify clearly where they're located so it helps inform levels of government and conservation groups in terms of next steps. Because these species only live here, we have a responsibility to protect them. Um, and, and I do think there's lots we can learn from them. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Up next, reports of teens trying to catch COVID-19. Whoever gets COVID first gets the pie. The virus parties as America hits another daily high. Plus, virus, a virus-resistant packaging. The research that could one day mean you won't have to wipe down your packages. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6 and 980 CKNW, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC, presented in partnership with BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better. Traffic is moving well in both directions on Highway 99 through Richmond, although it is a little bit slow here for southbound traffic as people slow down due to a police incident on the side there. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, Highway 99 in Richmond. Some tragic news out of Quebec. Three children under the age of five are dead. Provincial police say the young children were among 10 people riding in the shovel of the tractor when they were suddenly thrown from the vehicle. 
Seven other children and four adults were also injured, four of them seriously. Police say alcohol may have been a factor. The driver of the tractor, a man in his 30s, has been arrested. Some tense moments in the nation's capital this morning. An armed man was arrested on the grounds of Rideau Hall, the residence of the Prime Minister and the Governor General. Global's Mercedes Stevenson explains what we're learning tonight about the man and how he got in. The man smashed through the gates of Rideau Hall at 6.30 a.m., driving a truck that security sources say he had driven all the way from Manitoba, where his home is. Inside that truck, security sources say, were two shotguns and a rifle. When his truck stopped, those sources say that he got out of the vehicle and slung one of those long guns across his back while he carried another in his hands. He was confronted almost immediately by the RCMP. The RCMP were aware that the Prime Minister was not home at the time and neither was the Governor General. So they contained the man and decided to try to talk him down. In the current environment, sources say the RCMP did not want to have to shoot unless they absolutely had to. The man told the police, according to sources, that his beef was not with them but the Prime Minister, and that he didn't want to hurt anybody who was there. He surrendered peacefully and without incident around 8.30 a.m. As to why the man did this, sources say that he told police he had lost his job and was about to lose his truck, and he was dissatisfied with the government response to the coronavirus and all of the payouts. He felt he was not being listened to and that nobody was doing anything to help him. He is still in RCMP custody at this time, pending charges, and is not expected to be released until tomorrow on bail. The man is also a member of the Canadian Rangers. That's a reservist unit within the Canadian Armed Forces that patrols Canada's north. And some of our viewers might recognize them by their bright red sweatshirts. At this time, we don't have any more information on the identity of the man, but if we get any more information on that or any other part of this bizarre incident, we'll certainly bring it to you. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News, Ottawa. A British socialite who was a longtime friend of accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein has been charged with helping him sexually abuse young girls. FBI agents took heiress Ghislaine Maxwell into custody in New Hampshire today. Court documents say she helped Epstein recruit, groom and abuse young women, some as young as 14. She denies the charges. Epstein was charged with sex trafficking last summer but died by suicide in his New York City jail cell last August before his trial. More grim numbers out of the United States tonight as COVID-19 cases continue to rise. In Florida are reaching capacity while in Alabama officials are looking into a reported COVID party held by college students as more and more businesses are having to close just weeks after reopening. As our nation hit another staggering single-day record for confirmed COVID cases, tonight the summer spike in infections is accelerating in states like Florida. 10,000 in 24 hours. In Arizona, ventilators and ICU beds are scarce as the number of people testing positive climbs to 30%. We don't have enough staff to staff our ICUs. We're about to completely max, max out our hospital capacity. With more than a dozen states setting COVID records, Texas, one of the last to implement restrictions, now going further than many others, today issuing a mandatory statewide face mask policy. Kansas seeing a 35% increase in cases from a month ago. Shaquille Avery will spend his summer recovering from the virus that nearly killed him. First thing that went through my mind was that I wasn't going to make it, and I immediately thought of my son. 
young people are driving the surge, and authorities in Alabama are investigating reports college students may have thrown parties, inviting someone known to be infected, then awarding the next person to catch the virus a cash payout, according to a local councilwoman. It's senseless, I think it's careless, and it makes me mad as hell. As the nation's top doctors plead for Americans to protect their health, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. It's the economy that could flatline again. Nearly half the country re-implementing restrictions. It's pretty devastating. We just opened up. We've been open for about two weeks now since the last shutdown. And now we'll have to shut down again. And in states like California, where some businesses have closed for good, one local sheriff is handing out $300 tickets to anyone not wearing a mask. The measures all in place to protect lives. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles. A Brooklyn man has been charged after accidentally burning down his own house with fireworks. Security video shows 36-year-old Damian Ben setting off illegal fireworks behind his house when he accidentally shoots one through an open window. Now, he doesn't realize what he's done, and as the fire inside grows, he even goes back into the house to get more fireworks, not realizing it's on fire. When he finally does see the blaze, he frantically tries to put it out with a garden hose, but by that time, it's too late. Adding insult to injury, he has now been charged with fourth-degree arson. Time travel will once again be possible during this pandemic with the historic town of Barkerville reopening its public programming. Visitors can come and explore the exhibit set in the mid-1800s starting on July 3rd. Up to this point, Barkerville had to go virtual in an effort to keep their historical interpreters employed. The period actors teaching visitors about the gold rush town through Zoom video conferencing. In addition to the public programming, Barkerville's campground, shops and eateries are also open with social distancing measures in place. I was quite worried, to be perfectly honest, as, as I'm sure so many people were here, because we just didn't know. A uh, pandemic is a very frightening thing to go through, not only just because of the illness factor, but because of the financial implications. We have a sort of frontier gold rush spirit, and we never really let these things that might seem insurmountable stop us. In Health Matters tonight, researchers in the Maritimes are trying to reduce the transmission of COVID-19 on the surfaces we touch. They're developing a special coating for packaged products that would kill the virus on contact. Global's Elizabeth McSheffrey has more. Like many of us, biochemist Beth Mason says she's tired of wiping down goods she buys from the store as a COVID-19 prevention measure. Because you can't be washing all the time and disinfecting all the time, there's like this hidden risk that, that the virus is going to be on a surface somewhere, and that creates a fear uh, for people. That's why she and her team at Cape Breton University's Verschuren Center are developing a special coating for packaged products that would target the cell functions the coronavirus needs to survive. So the idea is if you disrupt that lipid membrane with these active molecules, then you'll kill or disable the virus. Think cereal boxes, coffee bags, personal protective equipment, anything wrapped in plastic. The coating would be embedded in packaging at the manufacturing stage and stay effective for at least two months if the project is successful. It could create some peace of mind for consumers, but the Retail Council of Canada wonders whether it could create an extra cost. This is a, an interesting uh, new development, but 
packaging is only supposed to be a fraction of the cost of a product. So, of course, manufacturers in particular would have to ask that question, how much more are uh, consumers willing to pay? Research Nova Scotia, which funds the project, says it's all part of a well-rounded approach to preventing another outbreak. So as the vaccine is being developed by a number of groups around the world, including in Canada, including here in Nova Scotia, it's our obligation to find and support research that can look at all of these different aspects that's relevant to societies. Mason and her team hope to have a coating tested and approved in the next year. Elizabeth McSheffrey, Global News, Halifax. Flood concerns across B.C., the high water levels already causing problems, and what's in the forecast for us. Plus 10,000 hours of television, remembering the life of a legendary broadcaster. Give a shout-out. Tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Flooding has forced the closure of Highway 1 near Revelstoke as a string of flood watches and warnings are now in place across the province. This is the scene along a four-kilometer stretch of the highway just west of Revelstoke. Work crews are on the scene assessing the situation, but at this point there's no estimate on when the highway will reopen. The heavy rain we've been having has triggered flood warnings for the Upper Fraser and Quinell Rivers and their tributaries. Flood watches are also in place for the Peace Region, the Northeast and the Middle Fraser and Chilcotin Rivers, along with the South Thompson tributaries. And a washout has shut down a highway in northern B.C., Highway 51 southwest of Dees Lake and 14 kilometers east of Telegraph Creek has been forced to close. There is no detour available at this time as crews assess the damage. And closer to home, the wooden boardwalk along Quayside in New Westminster will be closed starting on Friday with water levels on the Fraser River on the south coast expected to keep rising throughout the weekend. Closure will remain until water levels recede. Everyone is urged to use caution around the riverfront right now. All right, let's uh, get a closer look at that forecast. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is in tonight. Yvonne? Uh, Sophie, we still have the flood warning, as we just mentioned. That's for the Upper Fraser River, the Quenelle River included within that. All areas in orange, that's where we've got the flood watch, and we're watching very closely as we're expected to see them rise and peak approaching the weekend. We've got still a significant amount of rain on the way. We've totaled a significant amount, especially for the northeastern corners, 20 and up to 40 millimeters. The peace included within that, as well as Fort Nelson, and that's for this evening. All other regions, Prince George, Williston, and McGregor, will still see an additional 10 and up to 15. Millimeters. Now, here's what we are tracking still. For the northeastern corners, we've got our line of thunderstorms working its way in with the rainfall warning. Also, very gusty winds at times, the potential to produce hail. The areas in red near the piece, that's where we have the severe thunderstorm warning. That'll ease off as we approach this evening, but still active weather for the northeastern corners. The next weather maker that is going to push in for all areas across the south coast overnight and for the early morning hours, we've got a soggy start to the morning on Friday. Rain and heavy at times, easing off towards the afternoon with the chance of showers. So we've got a wet start for tomorrow morning and then drier conditions as we approach the weekend. The instability for tomorrow will be for the Columbian Kootenai with the chance of showers and even the risk of thunderstorms. It's chilly overnight. Temperatures down to 11 tomorrow morning with the heaviest rainfall by the afternoon with highs up to 16. The concern, the northeastern corner still an additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters for tomorrow. It's eastern areas and stretching into the Fraser Valley that will see 
10 or upwards of 10 millimeters. A bit of a break along the northern half of the province. Central interior will see a mainly cloudy sky. A few spots, especially near Revelstoke, with the risk of thunderstorms. Rain and heavy at times for areas near Hope. All areas across the south coast, so heaviest rainfall for the morning hours, easing off. A nice bright spot for both our Saturday, Sunday. Much needed to dry out and temperatures also getting back into the low 20s. Tonight's weather window, a beautiful shot of a deer that was captured by Donna, a 100-mile ranch. So thank you so much. Having a little snack there. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Hugh Downs, a radio and television institution for more than 60 years, has died at the age of 99. Downs' career in television was as varied as it was long. Here's a look at a broadcasting legend. Good morning. This is Today in New York. Hugh Downs was a popular host of the Today Show, who wowed audiences with his wide variety of knowledge. He took over as host of the show in 1962 and led the program for nine years. He easily moved from interviewing President Eisenhower to exploring the drug culture of the 60s to riding an electric bike through the studio. Be careful. Good morning. This is Today. We're on the island of St. Thomas. Downs took the Today Show on the road, going to places like the Virgin Islands. Downs began in television in the mid-40s. Here's Jack! Among his early network jobs was the announcer on the nightly Jack Parr show, which became a staple of late-night television. In all of my career, I've done more than one show at the same time. By the time of his retirement, after a long career at NBC and ABC, Downs had logged more airtime than any person in U.S. television history. He was a record held until Regis Philbin passed him in 2004. Hugh Downs' reassuring professional manner in the roles of announcer, sidekick, host, and anchor was unrivaled in U.S. television. Dan Sheneman, NBC News. 10,000 hours in television. We were trying to do the calculation. For Squire, you might be up there. <laughs> no, no, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> um, but I, you know what I loved about Hugh Downs? He always seemed very happy. Never yeah. seen him a bad day. He's one of the friendliest guys you've ever seen on Friendly, TV. gentle. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, like Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson says this pandemic pause in the season allowed him to at least try to bulk up. Right back in the gym, back home, they've been able to... He seems quite tall. ...become stronger. Yeah, he does look much taller when he sits like that, doesn't he? <laughs> well, his shot still is pretty good, and he can still point at you. Hi, Elias. Also to come tonight, a taste of the Atlantic as COVID travel restrictions ease. The new brew on tap aimed at bringing the Maritimes together. a shout out tag posts with hashtag bc healthcare heroes or email bc healthcare heroes at globalnews.ca to share with global news bc healthcare heroes in partnership with fortis bc caring for the bc communities where we live and work <laughs> we went from um hubbub over the hub city to hullabaloo to hubbubba oh we start we started with the hub city and then we went to hubbubba and then we just started talking about chewing gum and that, it's amazing how that works. And the works. gum that tastes like soap, which... Which was thrills, oof. which was, I know. It was, no. like, it was like a... That gum, to me, was almost like a punishment. Here, have this. I heard you swear. I'll take the hubba-bubba. Um, Speaking of hubba-bubba... Okay, so... I mean, hub cities. 
I'm sure someone loves thrills. What's that? Hub cities? Yeah. Yes. Among the uh, Canucks, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually, but among the Canucks already in town is Elias Pettersson, back from his stay in Sweden with his family in France. Now, in Sweden, of course, there weren't many restrictions at all. So he could have been regularly skating. Was he regularly skating? Well, the answer might surprise you. He's only been back on the ice for a few days, but Elias Pettersson doesn't look too far out of form. Pettersson did return to Sweden when the NHL season was suspended, but he didn't skate at all in his homeland, so it's been about three and a half months off the ice. But it's nothing new for him. He typically takes a few months off during the summer anyways. When you're, you're not on the ice every day, you lose timing, you lose uh, like your conditioning on your legs, so... But it will, it will come back very soon. Pedersen has been back on the ice with his teammates in small groups this week at Rogers Arena as they prepare for training camp starting July 13th, which will also be held at Rogers. And he's staying in a hotel just a short two-minute walk from the rink. It will be a simple, confined lifestyle for the next few weeks in Vancouver. You just walk to the rink, then back to the hotel. So it's strange, but uh, I knew... This would happen if, uh, like, when I left home to Sweden after the season. So it's all good. At least now they can see the starting line. Hopefully, their playoff series with the Minnesota Wild starts in about a month. But until then, it's preparing to get their game back, all the while staying healthy and responsible. A positive COVID test could derail a team in a hurry. Got to be honest with each other because, because we don't want the wires to spread or anything. So, wait. We gotta be very cautious with that. Well, I would have guessed Toronto, but the rumors say Edmonton would be the city that hosts the Stanley Cup final if they become one of the two hub cities for the NHL. The feeling is Toronto and Edmonton will be the two, but perhaps because of the better ice and the less COVID cases, Edmonton would be the Stanley Cup spot, which means Toronto would once again be denied anything to do with the Stanley Cup. Going into the restart of the NBA season, Milwaukee Bucks have the best record in the East. The restart begins July 30th with an end to the regular season. Then they'll start the playoffs. To a lot of fans, and I'm sure you could say this about the NHL as well, handing out a championship like this seems very strange. And it is, but it'll still be a championship nonetheless, according to the Bucks' Giannis Antetokounmpo. But at the end of the day, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, uh, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be, how you guys say, the start next to this championship. I feel like at the end of the day, this is going to be the toughest, like, championship you could ever win, you know, uh, because, like, the circumstances are really, really tough right now. So, like, obviously, like, you go somewhere without your family for four months, three months, and you haven't played basketball for three and a half, four months. As I said, whoever whoever wants more, whoever is mentally prepared uh, for all this, um, what's going what's going on, going on in Orlando, that's uh, the team that's going to come on top. It's going to have to get through the Raptors. Uh, speaking of Toronto, the Blue Jays will be able to hold their training camp in Toronto. That has now been allowed by the federal government. It's supposed to start on Monday. What the Jays don't know yet, though, is if they can play their home games in Toronto. It's a 60-game season for Major League Baseball, so they'd obviously have 30 home games. Those logistics have not been worked out yet. But if they can't play home games in Toronto, if they don't let teams across the border, then they would likely move down to their spring training facility and play their games in Dunedin, Florida. All right. 
Rocket Mortgage, first round. That's Bryson DeChambeau. This is on the par 5 14th. And this is a 375-yard drive. He had two today over 370 yards. He likes his drives long and his irons short. This iron came up a bit too short on the second shot. So this is for Eagle on the same hole. Will he make it? Well, I wouldn't show you it if he didn't. Yep, the eagle has landed on the 14th for DeChambeau. He is a one off the lead. Three players on the lead at minus seven. Doc Redman, Kevin Kisner, Scott Stallings, and I should mention Adam Hadwin had a good day. Minus five and merits Roger Sloan was even par. There you go. All right, Squire, thank you. Let's check in with Jada Rant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. J.D.? Thank you, Sophie. We'll have an update on the various road and highway closures caused by flooding around the province. Plus, with Washington State setting a new daily high in the number of COVID-19 cases, there are renewed concerns about Americans crossing the border into B.C. We'll have more on that tonight. And welcome news for movie lovers as another Metro Vancouver theatre reopens for business. We'll hear from people headed to the Rio tonight. Those stories when you join us tonight at 11, Sophie. All right, sounds good. Thank you very much, Jay. Tonight's Healthcare Hero is coming up next. Plus, what's brewing on the other side of the country as COVID travel restrictions ease? Almost time for the 7 o'clock cheer. And, of course, we have a big thank you to give tonight as well to our viewers who've been sending in nominations for BC Healthcare Heroes, recognizing our frontline healthcare workers battling COVID-19 for BC. Tonight's nomination comes from Kay Miura, and he is nominating his friend Arvin Ingtiong. Arvin is a registered nurse. Kay says he first met Arvin a few years ago as a new grad at Burnaby Home Health. Arvin showed a lot of potential learning new skills quickly and adapting to different situations. Little did he know his ability to adapt would come in very handy when the pandemic was declared. When COVID numbers started rising on the Lower Mainland, a swab site was set up at Burnaby Central Park and Arvin stepped up and was one of the first nurses to work at the drive through testing site. When he's not working, Arvin is spending the rest of his free time raising his new corgi. Even in his personal life, he devotes his time to care for others. And that corgi sure is cute. Well done, Arvin. Kate is really proud of you. And we are too. And we want to thank you for all you're doing to help BC through this crisis. If you have a healthcare hero to nominate, send us an email, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Include a few pictures and details about why they're your hero, and we might just choose them next. Atlantic Canadians itching to be done with the COVID-19 lockdown are looking forward to Friday. That's when the Atlantic bubble begins, allowing travel to all four provinces in Atlantic Canada without having to self-isolate for 14 days. And when visitors arrive in New Brunswick, a craft brewer has created a taste of home on tap for everyone. Peter Grandy says family connections gave him and his brother Jeff the idea to brew a line of Atlantic bubble beer at their microbrewery in Alma near Fundy National Park. Peter says the timing is right. We're from PEI originally, uh, my brother and I, uh, so, so we had connections there. And, uh, so, and then my grandparents on my father's side are from, is from Newfoundland as well. So, and my parents are from Nova Scotia and we now live in New Brunswick. So it all kind of just came together. Grandy says he's looking forward to having out-of-province business back in New Brunswick as part of the Atlantic bubble. 
He says most of their business is done during tourism season. They're hoping to have a Belgian wit potato beer for PEI and a cherry or possibly blueberry saison representing Nova Scotia ready for next week. And then the Newfoundland beer is uh, coming along and maybe a, a half hour behind. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, but we're, we're, we're trying to source um, partridge berry. Uh, and uh, so it's a tart, tart beer. For New Brunswick, it's a rhubarb sour beer with rhubarb sourced from this farm less than an hour from the brewery. Farmer Brian Walker says the concept could be a boost for producers like him. If we can produce local and uh, export local or, or ship local, uh, it eliminates a lot of that trucking costs and uh, will, it's all around good for everyone, I guess. The Atlantic bubble line will only be available in New Brunswick. Grandy says they may make more batches depending on their popularity, but he's proud to play a part in this next phase of COVID-19 recovery. We really, really do have a soft spot for all the provinces uh, given our background and so it's nice to kind of bring it all together with our product and, and just new flavors that, for people to try and kind of share some moments away from home. Tim Roselle, Global News, Alba, New Brunswick. Looks good. Mm -hmm. You know what we need, Yvonne? We need a nice <laughs> sunny day a patio. to enjoy a beer like that. Yeah, and to be out on a patio. Yes. Out on the lawn, maybe, patio, backyard. Can um, you do that for us? Not for tomorrow, especially for the morning. That's when we'll see the heaviest wave of, rain, uh, wave of rain. Also, it's quite windy, especially near the water this evening. Hopefully, fingers crossed, both days out of the weekend, some bright spots where we are looking at dry conditions, some sunshine in the mix, dry into early next week, but a bit more cloud cover rolling in. Is this normal for July? Yes. Really? It can be. It can be. Okay. Except it was very cold yesterday. That's not normal. Okay. <laughs> We'll see how the rest of the month plays out. That's all the time we have. Have a good evening, everyone.